Hello, and welcome to Pop Culture Hangfire with Christian and Gabriel. The podcast where Gabriel and I visit the 80s year by year and learn about the pop culture and everything that happened during that time. The year, 1986, Halley's Comet appeared in the night sky. Halley's Comet orbits the sun every 75 to 76 years and will not be seen again until 2062. Kodak left the instant camera business. Mike Tyson won his first world boxing title. The Oprah Winfrey Show debuts nationally. And Richard Branson on the 72-foot powerboat Virgin Challenger 2 breaks the world record for the fastest crossing of the Atlantic. Now, one other great historical event happened on this day, Gabe, on this year, Gabe. The movie Soul Man came out. Now, I had you watch the trailer. Gabe, can you give us a very quick synopsis of the movie Soul Man? Oh, man. Uh, Oh, man. Soul Man? Old man, soul man. I think they exploited everyone to make the movie. Um, like you know, it's a it's a product of its of its time. So it's like sort of you got like the black exploitation, but also really stereotypical like martial arts, you know, kind of Asian culture representation. Um, but it it did have uh one of the one of the greatest uh, villains um ever, I think, on screen. Wait. Are you thinking of the Last Dragon? No, I don't think so. Wasn't there the villain that said the? Didn't you do the quotable line? Was this? Was this? Was that? Was this that one or was this? No, I think you're confusing. Uh, I think you're confusing Soul Man with the Last Dragon. Soul Man. Oh, okay. Is the which one was that one? Is that remind me. C. Thomas Howell movie about the college kid. Oh no, that one. Oh no, <laughs> that's even was... worse. <laughs> no, that's what I was like. The one had the redeeming bad guy. I was like, oh, wait, no. martial arts. <laughs> Oh no, I am thinking the one. Oh no, we're talking about it this way. Okay, okay, okay. So Soul Man, Soul Man is just—it's just blackface. I mean, it's beyond. That's, that's the It's like blackface, but like we're all acting like it's okay. Like even friggin' uh, poor James Earl Jones is like is he, party to this. He's roped into it. Uh, yeah, yeah. For, like they got they got him. They got him under some kind of... I wonder how much of the script he saw ahead of time. Or, for <laughs> those you of you who don't know, Soul Man was a 1986 film starring oh, C. No. Thomas Howell where he is trying to go to law school, which, by the way, the I think they say like $30,000 a year, which is... Oh, yeah. yeah or less real. than that, I think. is pretty reasonable to compare the price now. But anyway, he wants to go to college, can't afford it, but he sees which go ahead. he seemed like he came from a pretty good background. Well, remember, it seemed like he couldn't afford it in the trailer. His father cut him off and said, no, you're paying for oh, your yeah, own that's college. Right. That's what it was. And um, so he finds a loophole for Ugh. for uh, uh, African-American uh, grant slash scholarship. And he definitely goes full blackface gets the scholarship and uh then uh, obviously falls in love with a girl and has to come clean and learn his lesson in the movie yeah no that uh that also came out that's a that's a cur- that's a world event of 1986 I just want to bring that up because we're not going to talk about this movie um uh, but i could it's, not it, it's getting enough limelight <laughs> yeah i could not uh pass 1986 without having talked about it all right yeah moving on to births the lead singer from the Arctic Monkeys, Alex Turner, is born. If you're not familiar with the Arctic Monkeys, I would suggest starting with the fifth studio album called AM. It's, um, it is a near-perfect album. It's fantastic. Arctic Monkeys are just a phenomenal band. Anderson Pock, American rapper, singer, songwriter, and record producer, and drummer, and the duo of Silk Sonic. I mean... You gotta you gotta get in with it, cause uh, uh, yeah, Anderson Pack is fantastic. Uh, Lena Dunham, American writer, director, actress, and producer. 
I know her, and I think she's best known for being the creator, writer, and the star of the HBO television series Girls that was on for about five years. That show introduced me to Adam Driver, who I hated for many, many years because of that show, because of how good he was on that show, <laughs> um, before falling in love with him for being such a great actor. And it just so happens he's a mortar man in the Marines, you know. Uh, but yeah, um, Lena Dunham, a uh, wonderful actress and writer. Uh, Ryan Coogler, American filmmaker. I got hip to him with the movie Fruitvale Station about police officers accidentally like shooting a black person while trying to arrest them when they meant to use a stun gun. This was like back in, man, 2006, probably. And uh, and then he went on to co-write and direct uh, the Black Panther movies and the current Creed movies. So he's got he's got a pretty pretty good um, set of movies under his belt. Did you ever watch Fruitvale Station by any chance? Mm-mm. Pretty good flick. Um, Drake is born in 1986. Now, I know who Drake is. I've heard his music probably. I um, My impression of Drake is not a good one, and I don't want to shit on him or anything. I, obviously, the dude's doing great. But my experience with him is as a rapper, I, I feel like he kind of reuses a lot of his rhymes, um, and it, they're just not for me. Like, uh, he's just not, not my, not my type, not my cup of tea. I will say that, but I will acknowledge the fact that he's a multi-platinum, like, you know, selling uh, artist, like the dude's on point, uh, you know, beyond successful. Yeah. yeah. He's got his audience and good for him. Just not for me. Just going to put it out there. And lastly, Gabe, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen born in 1986, also known as the Olsen twins. American uh, actresses from first from the TV show um, Full House, but their claim to fame was through their company Dual Star. They uh, they became the wealthiest women alive through the entertainment industry and through their um, company. Basically, Gabe, they held down the market for preteens during the 90s and 2000s. They sold the rights to just about everything when it came to merchandise. They made movies, they made makeup, they made clothes, they make everything. Uh, Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen, the Olsen twins. I had a little exposure to some of their entertainment, even though I was not um, the target demographic. Um, I have uh, cousins who are twins. Ah. And so their movies were... Um, just in the house, they would, they were, I mean, and I think, I think that was strictly because there's not a wealth of twin entertainment. And so being twins, my cousins, I think very much enjoyed seeing other twins. It's representation, right? You see twins on screen. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, I think, uh, I think yeah. uh, they were there before the um, Harry Potter twins, right? Yeah, they were, I mean, again, they, they and here's the thing, like, they played, I, I want to say they played themselves, they were Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen, but they were, like, put into all these situations, you know, there was just themes, like, they were detectives, they were, you know, just whatever thing you could, story you could think of, it was sort of like the, the wishbone effect, I think they were just in, not that they were in literature, but they were just put in all these situations where they, despite being themselves, were the protagonists in some story that centered around this type of thing. And so uh, I, re- I remember that being my earliest exposure to them seeing be like, yeah, twins. Interesting. You know, my cousins are twins. OK, I get it. Yeah, no, it's the same effect I have whenever I hear Nicaragua and anything. I'm like, yes, representation. <laughs> no, but I remember <laughs> I, I remember that. Yeah, like they they started their company like way before they were even teens. And then they took over their company once they hit age of 18 and they just monopolized like what you know, preteen kids were into and, uh, and they did it really well. Again, billionaires, ridiculous. Probably why they didn't come back to the full house, uh, reunion, uh, fuller house. They didn't need the money. Nope. Sure. Didn't let's talk about deaths. This is a big one. Cause I'm a huge fan of this individual. Desi Arnaz, uh, Cuban born American actor, band leader and film and television producer. As we all know, he played Ricky Ricardo uh, on the sitcom I Love Lucy, which he co-starred with his, uh, I guess at the time, wife, uh, Lucille Ball, which is the greatest comedian of all time. Uh, and I Love Lucy, I think, one of the greatest comedies of all time. I don't, I will put that up against any TV show. 
uh, just incredible. Now, I've watched a lot of Desi and, uh, and Lucille uh, documentaries, read a couple books. There's three things that stand out about that, right? So first and foremost, they created the rerun syndication, right? They had the number one TV show on the, on the market. And between seasons, they were like, why are we going to let people forget about us? And remember, this was at a time when if you missed the show, there was it wasn't like the show was going to repeat. So they were like, no, no, let's invest into recording. Genius. Let's invest into recording and let's then replay it in between seasons and keep everyone's attention on the show. So they created that. Okay. They also created what is considered now the multi multi-camera setup you know style like the the what what basically what situation comedies began like turned into right yeah so, you know how now when they say single camera it's a big like ooh they're doing single camera yeah oh my gosh they're doing yeah exactly so you know they're the ones who created the going from single camera because everything was live to Hey, let's 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 set up multi cameras and grab as much as we can. It was thirty millimeters, so it was a huge investment for them. Yeah, beca because they were already thinking like we are going to need to record these, have a really good copy of them, to then to then be able to reduce the amount of time it takes to film them because we have all these cameras rolling, uh, and then to be able to you know like basically uh, rerun it later on. So they're the ones who basically did that. And then there's there the third thing is that they through Desi Lu, their production company, they started to create their own um uh, producing their own their own television. Like at a certain point they were the second largest independent television company in the United States. These guys, Gabe, are responsible for producing The Untouchables, Mission Impossible, Star Trek. Oh, like, you know, like they were at, they were pushing out so much content. Ricky Ricardo, he uh, he again, a band leader in Cuba, moved to the United States. Um, he actually got drafted for World War II, but he had some pre-existing injuries, so he actually couldn't serve in the infantry. So he was put on USO duty so that he could entertain the troops, which he did two and a half years of service. Um, uh, before uh, returning and and you know doing the I Love Lucy show, but uh, no no I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a, an enormous fan of and on top of that again this is the 1950s 1960s, you're talking about a Latino actor a you know Latino person who was able to do that well in in a in a you know uh, mainstream white uh, you know business, just exceptional that no one ever called out like you know. Hey, he's a, you know, send them back home. <laughs> Go home, you. No, no. It was like, oh, no, he's like entirely too powerful to be touched. <laughs> well, that too. And like, I mean, uh, I watched a lot of I Love Lucy growing up, um, both just for its sheer comedic value. You know, I liked it on my own. And my, it was just one of the shows like my grandma used to watch. And so we, we would like, that would be on the TV. We could watch that together. Um and uh, it, you, he, he leaned into it. It wasn't he wasn't even trying oh, to hide yeah, it. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like it wasn't like white passing. Let me just pretend no, to be a white no, guy. Like, no, 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 no. It was full on like he's sitting there yelling at her in Spanish. He and, you know, is. He's, the whole Lucy, you got some splaining to do is just a classic. Like that's an he, iconic line. He is going to work every day at the Copacabana. He is the the, he's playing the the mambo. The uh, frilly no, shirts. No, he's playing the congas, the conga drums like the dude mm -hmm. is. You know, that was his thing. And he sang in Spanish the entire yep. <laughs> most of the yep. songs that he did on the show. So, yeah. So it was one of those things where you're like, you know, like, why? What did he that do? That was his identity. Yeah. It was fantastic. I, I loved it. So I, I definitely. I think it was great uh, for me as a kid, too. Again, it's one of those things that, like, you know, it's it, it, it was it was part of the normal experience, you know, seeing that, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, died at the age of 69. He was a, it was a heavy, heavy smoker, as you saw from the show. Yeah. Uh, died of lung cancer. Um, but, uh, but no, I, I still, to this day, will, will put up I Love Lucy with any comedic TV show. And I guarantee you it will blow them away. Anything that anyone's doing now, she did twice as funny, twice, uh, better and, uh, and perfected. With less assistance, oh, you yes, know? Yes, exactly.
you have to understand that back in those days, you there was not a lot of retakes. There was not like you had to be on point. Like there was, yeah, no, there, there was it's a different world. And and again, she was made differently. An incredible, incredible human being. Uh, the next one we'll talk about is James Cagney, American actor, dancer, and film director. I always liked Cagney, but I like I liked the tough guy Cagney, not the other Cagney. To me, peak Cagney was like Public Enemy. And one of my favorite movies that he was ever in was um, Angels with Dirty Faces. He was an exceptional bad guy, an exceptional. Not, okay, not that bad guy. Tough guy. You know, like, I, okay. I, I, think yeah, yeah. Was, I think it was in Public Enemy where where um, he has a scene with the female lead. And <laughs> he, like, he shoves a grapefruit in her face. <laughs> But this was the type. This was the guy that in movies would you know would would slap women like that. That was his persona, and he did it so fucking well. He was such an exceptional actor. Um, but unfortunately, he did get typecast though as the tough guy until mm. until he was able to clear up his reputation a little bit by negotiating dancing opportunities in his films, which. Ended up getting him his first Academy Award for the musical and where he did the dance numbers for Yankee Doodle Dandy. Um, How about that? So he got an he got an actual Oscar for that. Now for Angels with Dirty Faces, he got an Oscar nomination. But uh, but no, just an exceptional actor, uh, such a great tough guy. I've seen some of the um, the outtakes. Uh, that you know, like, I don't know if you've seen that, but there some of them are available for like Gone with the Wind and like. You know, like some really cool outtakes from the 1940s and 50s that are awesome, and yeah. and there's some of him and like Humphrey Bogart, and you're like, okay, like you get it, like the dude wasn't, you know, he was a, just a, a really great actor, uh, but no, he died at 86 uh, from a heart attack, so good, good on him. I definitely know the name. I I honestly don't know what I would have seen him in because nothing really? jumps out that I would remember. Really? Or was your mom was like, no, no, this is uh, t- too tough. No, I just I think I've seen him. I just I don't think the movies were that memorable to me. You know, I was probably it was probably not. uh, It was probably too much story going on, you know. Oh, interesting. Or something. There might have been too much, you know, yap yapping. I for sure would have thought you would have been hip with. uh, with I recognize. I recognize the name, though. Like, I know I've seen him. I recognize him. Interesting. Interesting. So I for sure have. I just don't know what it was in. Oh, well, that's a surprise to me. Okay. We have, so I will say this uh, about the movies we're going to talk about. There's a, like there's like a less than a handful of iconic movies, honestly, less than a handful. But there was a f- quite a few movies produced in '86 that are worth mentioning. Some we're not even going to actually go into detail. We're just going to mention just because they were they were they're worth mentioning, but they're not good enough for us to be able to give them any more time. So yeah. I, so but what I'm saying is. A lot of quantity, not a lot of quality in 86, you know? Yeah, no, there's definitely a, a lot. I saw the list initially. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. But not not like, not like to the point of, like, we need to do a separate episode. No, not not to that point. Not to that point. So let's get started. The big one for me for, for, for 1986 was Platoon. Platoon is, is an exceptional movie, uh, written and directed by Oliver Stone. Regardless of how you feel about Oliver Stone, this is a really great film. It stars Tom Berenger, William Defoe, Charlie Sheen, Keith David, Kevin Dillon, John C. McGinley, Forrest Whitaker, and a very small appearance by Johnny Depp. This is a screenplay written by Oliver Stone based on his own experiences in the uh, infantry in Vietnam. This film was nominated for eight Academy Awards, Gabe, and it won for four, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Sound, and Best Film Editing. Now, having said that, and letting you know that the film grossed $138 million, what do you think the budget of this film was, Gabe? Oh, man, there was a lot of big names in there. But I'm how big were they at that point? Some of them had to be. Um, it grossed $138 million. This This was a successful film, was it not? It was very successful. Yeah, okay. Uh, $30 million? That's a, That would be a very good guess. Had it, had this movie not cost six million? Oh my God! They did. How did they pay the people involved? So, 
from my own experience of, of doing the <laughs> reference is that because I think they filmed it in the Philippines and just the budget alone just on filming locations is drastically dropped. Also, yeah, you have to think about you have to think about Charlie Sheen is fairly new. Yeah. Um, uh, John C. McGinley's very fairly new. Like everybody's fairly new, with the exception of Tom Berenger and Defoe? William Defoe. And even okay. remember, Defoe was maybe four or five years that that he made his debut. So not okay. a not yeah. a lot going on. Not a lot going on. So I thought I thought well, if you like you know thirty, sixty, ninety, one, twenty, if you could quadruple, that's pretty fucking successful. Damn. But I think the other part is too. People wanted to work with with Oliver Stone. Yeah, yeah. So you've seen Platoon, I'm gonna assume. I have. It's been. I haven't seen it super recently, but I have seen Platoon. Yeah, this is one of those movies that I can tell you. I can't remember how many times I've seen it, so it's definitely over a dozen times. It's such a fucking amazing film. It, it really, again, like just great storytelling. It's. I think it's one of the last Vietnam movies where where they get it right in the sense of like. You know, like they they did justice to it. I mean, Born in the Fourth of July gets done later on, not not quite as much Vietnam, more about the PTSD afterwards and everything. Yeah. And there's been quite a few movies that have tried, but I think this one like just got it so well, like the experience and everything like that. I think William Defoe's character and Tom Berenger, fuck that dude is phenomenal. After he, I saw him in this. Everything he did was in my radar. Like when he did Sniper, I was like. Tom Berenger, of course. I remember that. <laughs> like, you know, and again, William Defoe, just like his performance is, is ridiculous. Charlie Sheen is the only actually weak actor in this movie. He's the only one that is just almost playing himself while everyone else is playing a really, really incredible, incredible um, performance. And I think we talked about Casualties of War with uh, Michael J. Fox, right? Yeah. And it... And I'm telling you, when you look at those two, you're like, okay, those actors are trying to act like tough guys in Vietnam. While in Platoon, these guys are not trying to act. They really, really nail those roles. Like Again, Tom Berenger's character in this, you could, having been in the service, you know that guy. You know that guy who's done entirely too much time in and is just... Like that is it. That is it. That is him. It's it's a it's a, again. Uh, if you haven't seen it, highly highly recommend. If and if for anything, for William Defoe's scene, his uh yeah. Oh my God, that scene is just. And again, though Oliver Stone. I mean, you know. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, a fantastic, fantastic movie. Like highly highly recommend. Moving on to Aliens, plural. Did you watch Alien, Gabe? Did you watch any of the yeah. aliens? Did you watch any I, of the aliens? I want to say I've seen Alien and Aliens. And then after that, I don't think I've seen anything else to do with okay. that specific franchise. Written and directed by James Cameron. It is the sequel to the 1979 Alien. Uh, as you'll know, James Cameron will uh, will have been responsible for Terminator, Terminator 2, Titanic, and currently Avatar. Uh, Aliens is is fantastic because it's everything Aliens could have been. Like, if you watch Alien, you can tell, like, they were on a budget. They were careful. Like, the, the, the backgrounds aren't as, as epic because they're kind of working with what they have. You look at Aliens and you're like, oh, he got the money. He was able Amb- to ambition fulfilled. Oh, you know, my the God, first one had so much. ambition. The second one, they actually got to achieve. Yeah, because basically, so for those of you who haven't seen it, uh, Aliens to uh, Aliens is phenomenal because it starts right after the end of Alien, but fifty something years into the future. So what happens is she go. Uh, so she, you know, she she finishes Alien, is able to get away goes into uh, cryogenic stasis to go to sleep. Something happens in her cryogenic sleep where she is found by another ship 50 years later. Although to her, she just went to sleep and just woke up. And she talks to these individuals that rescued her and tells them, yeah, that planet, it had these pods, it had these aliens. They're skeptical. So they send her and a team of space marines 
basically to go and say, okay, let's see if this is true. So she goes back to the original planet. But again, now this time there's a budget to show you the planet, which is phenomenal, which carries over through the six films that they finally did of that. Uh, Bill Paxton is in it. Fucking Bill Paxton. I forget the name of the dude from Terminator. Um, the one who rescues her. I forget it. He's in it too. Yeah, yeah. It's such a it's such a great like aliens aliens alien is great. Aliens is better. It's such a great, great film though. But yeah, no, it's a, again, it's just a, a fantastic movie. Fantastic. Um moving on to I mean John Hughes, we've talked about. I think we've talked about him in three consecutive years now. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Gabe. 1986. Now he also has Pretty in Pink come out in this year, I believe. Or it's a combination of both, because I think we talked about Pretty in Pink last episode. But I think depending on where it was released. Anyway, this dude has had, though, like four movies in three years. Phenomenal. Um, produced, uh, written and directed by John Hughes. It stars Matthew Broderick, Mia Sarah, and Alan Ruck. It's a fantastic uh, actor. And it's the story of a high school kid who skips school with his best friend and his girlfriend for a day to hang out in Chicago, consistently breaks the fourth wall by talking to the audience, telling us his inner thoughts. I mean, that's I, that's it, right? I mean, is, am I missing anything from Ferris Bueller? Uh, I, I don't think so. I haven't seen it in its entirety. Why did you stop watching? Uh, I think I've just seen bits and pieces when I've been doing other things. Oh, okay. Not, not I never sat started. down and watched Got Ferris Bueller's. Ferris Bueller's has been on. And then, of course, thanks to uh, pop culture referencing, I'm, 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 I, probably, I probably feel more familiar with it than I actually am in terms of gotcha. watching it continuously. It's a fun movie. It's just a fun movie. Like that. There's nothing. There's no deep. There's nothing, you know. No. Mm-hmm. It's just a really fun flick, dude. Like, uh, it's a... Uh, it's a fantasy day. I think it's a fantasy day that anybody would love to have. Like the things that they do in that app. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's a really great film. John Hughes. I mean, again, like that dude is prolific. Yeah. Okay. Moving on to Schwarzenegger. Raw Deal. Have you seen Raw Deal? Before I tell you what it's about. I don't think I have. Okay. It doesn't sound familiar. It is. So it did not do great. I'll tell you that. Negative reviews <laughs> made like sixteen million on a ten million budget. Oof. Yeah, but if I had to give you a synopsis, it is a disgraced FBI agent gets a second chance. Basically, um, um, his old chief, his old FBI chief, wants to get revenge on a mafia organization and basically um, recruits an old agent of his who was fired disgracefully after losing his cool with a woman beater um not much to it it's a good fun film it's arnold i mean slick hair back you know yeah, playing 80s arnold you can't yeah, be upset i don't think you can't you can't uh it's a fun film i i really i don't know why I, when i was reading this i was like i thought this movie did well but apparently it turns out not so much i wonder if the timing like sucked or something of the release maybe maybe it was just too much arnold in the 80s but is there ever no, too I, much? I disagree. Yeah, I was gonna say, is there ever too much Arnold in the eighties? <laughs> no, I refuse. Moving on to Highlander. Have you seen Highlander, Gabe? I, I actually don't think I have. Really? Yeah. Do you know the? Do you know the? Um, the premise. The no, not just the premise though, but the the famous uh, line from it. I mean, there can there can only be one, or there can be only one. However, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. references, pop culture references. Really? Okay. Yeah. So, do you know the premise? Uh, I mean, I, I, in in its most basic sense, yeah. But I, I could go with a, I could go with a good synopsis. Probably would help. It, it is the chronicle of an age old war of immortals, Gabe. Uh, immortal warriors. Let me let me make sure of that. And it's a the storyline goes from like you know, 1800s or 1600s or 1500s to present time because you're following the main character, Christopher Lambert. Oh, yeah, it's got Christopher Lambert, Roxanne Hart, Clancy Brown, and Sean Connery. Sean Connery, Mr. Moneypenny. Sean. And, um, and yeah, it's it's basically, 
you you catch up with him in the present and he kills a highlander uh an immortal you can only kill them by cutting off their heads gabe i don't know if you know that i do know that part and when you cut off their heads you get their power so that's why there can be only one that's why i cut off heads yeah um it yeah that's what it was like uh so this guy i remember he's in a it starts very much like braveheart you know like they're they're going to a clan battle he gets killed but survives and everybody's like what the hell turns out he's immortal and then sean connery arrives looking all dashing and cool with his like you know sombrero and everything and it's like yo you're an immortal let me walk you through what being immortal is like and and teaches him about being a highlander and then like oh Turns out you got to fight a bunch of people and cut off their heads and to be the the one. Now Sean Connery's character dies. Spoiler alert! But uh, Christopher Lambert's character lives on, obviously, because we cut we catch up to him in the eighties, where he's like you know a billionaire because he's been collecting art and investing into things because he's been living for two thousand years or however long it was. And um, yeah, uh, Highlander franchise, Gabe. Five uh, total films, two TV series, one that actually ran for six years, an animated show that ran for two years, an animated film, and nine published Warner books for the Highlander novels. So I actually have a funny story that's I, I can't I couldn't tell you if it was the movie. It was it was probably the TV show. But there was a time when. I can't even remember where we were waiting. Like I was with my grandma and we were waiting somewhere. I don't know if we were waiting at the airport to pick somebody up. There was something going on where we were like waiting and I'm like a fairly young child. So I'm kind of bored. And, and she's like, let me tell you about the Highlander. No, somebody, somebody <laughs> like, so she's a polite, like old lady. Right. So some guy that's nearby, like says hello, or she says hello or something, strike up a conversation. And for the entire time that we were waiting for whatever we were waiting for, this guy was explaining Highlander to her. <laughs> like the the you know, like the way I like Star Wars, this guy liked Highlander. <laughs> like it changed his life, and you could tell. Wait, like my grandma like again, circa, my poor grandma. Is this circa like early nineties? Uh, like maybe like mid nineties, yeah. So there were still more Highlander stuff coming out, Gabe, because the last Highlander movie came out in 2007. So this guy still yeah. had more Highlander in his this life. This guy had more to look forward to. He was explaining the whole premise, and that's part of why I know all this about, like, you got to cut off their heads. He was explaining <laughs> to my grandma. <laughs> in, like, again, like, I don't know, Holy a doctor's shit. off the airport. Wherever we had to wait for some kind of protracted period for something to happen. Oh, fuck. And I remember sitting there just being like, what the fuck is this guy on about? Like, what are we, you know, because, like, at that point, I'd never heard of it. You know, and I'm like, is this guy like, you know, is he making shit up? Like, what is in the what in the world? You know, I hadn't seen any of this stuff yet. But like I to I to my grave, I will remember like sitting there like and thinking like my poor grandma. Like she's like, God bless her. She's like she's like just sitting and nodding. And like, oh, yeah. Like, oh, wow. That's interesting. As this guy explains like the whole like mythology of Highlander, you know, he's excited too. like this is like this is like his jam. Holy crap. That was his Lord of the Rings. That was his Star Wars. That was his thing. That was like the thing that spoke to him. That's impressive. And again, look. Oh, man. If it's, let's say it's mid 90s, the TV show was actually going on at that time. And yeah. Again, and I think that that's was, why I think it was what, what, what he was like most explaining. I mean, obviously they all tie in, but like the, the story is like, you know, the premise is similar. But like, I think he was talking about the TV show because I want to say it was an ongoing thing and this dude was hyped. And he still had a movie or two waiting for him. My God, that yeah. dude lived a hell of a life until 2007. Oh, he was, a, he was born at the right time. <laughs> Holy cow. Um, that's fantastic. That is That oh, makes yeah. me so much – that brings me so much joy for somebody to have had that, that relationship. I don't think about that every day, but as soon as you start talking about Highlander, I was like, I know. I have a latent memory about this. Like as a child, I was exposed to a lore dump. Of Highlander. Oh, that's fantastic. Last thing I yep. will say. Last thing I will say. Um, Prince, Princess of the Universe, a song written by Queen, by the way. Yeah. Queen wrote original music for this movie. For this movie. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. Love it. Love it. Um, the Fly, Gabe. Have you seen The Fly? The Not, not the original from the 1950s, but the 1986 The Fly. No. You're going to love this, by the way. Okay. I'm excited. 
Directed and written by David Cronenberg. He will go on to make uh, History of Violence and Eastern Promises. The film stars Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis. It follows the story of an eccentric scientist who, after one of his experiments goes wrong, slowly turns into a fly hybrid creature. Oh, man. Yeah. That sounds like per- it's perfect. I assume Goldblum is the... Oh, no. Goldblum is is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, here's where it gets great for you. The score was composed by Howard Shore. Most notably, he scored the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit film trilogies. Just you know. So this movie had a, a, an epic score, is what you're telling me. Epic. Epic. <laughs> uh, but it gets even better, Gabe. The uh, makeup artist for this, uh, the special effects for the makeup effects was Chris Wallace. Doesn't that name sound familiar? I mean, vaguely. He won an Academy Award for the work that he did for The Fly. Because if you look at The Fly, they're like, Je- uh, Jeff Goldblum starts to lose body parts. The transformation to a fly is is very impressive and like gory almost, but not gory in the horror, but gory in the realistic. Yeah. So phenomenal work. So he got an Academy Award for that. This is the man who's also responsible for creating the Gremlins. The Gremlins. Movie. Okay. Okay. Wait for it. He is responsible for creating the famous sequence in the Raiders of the Lost Ark when the Nazis melt from the intense heat created by the Ark. Huh? Speaking of movies that had great people people transforming effects yes. throughout. I thought I thought you might have found that to be uh kind of cool. Well, that is a that is very interesting. Can you imagine being the guy like that you got the Academy Award on your shelf? <laughs> You're like, oh, I did the makeup for that. Yeah. Yeah, you know. No big deal. Yeah. Yeah, he directed, but uh, I got the makeup. Did you see the transformation, though? <laughs> yeah, that was me. Yeah, no. Uh, if you've never seen The Fly, it's a very cool movie. Uh, it, you know, like, basically what happens is this man creates a teleport teleporting machine, right? And uh, he he does the animal testing, and then he's like, okay, no, I can't make anybody do it so i'm gonna do it as a human being he does it works well he does it again but this time a fly gets into his transportation pod so the transportation pod doesn't know how to separate the two so he combines them he comes out on the other side feeling normal not realizing like oh something's wrong he's feeling stronger he's feeling more i mean he's having a lot of sex like is basically what's happening. Like he's feeling way better. And then he starts to notice, okay, something's happening. My body's changing. He does the, um, he does the research and realizes, Oh, there was a fly in there. And now my DNA is mixed with the fly and it is transforming me slowly into that creature. So like his ear falls off, his penis falls off his nose. Like it's, it's, it's a really, really great. I guess science horror. I guess I don't know. It's a, it's just. It a, sounds like a very Goldblum role. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Um, there was a sequel, The Fly Two. Gina Davis gets impregnated and has a child who happens to be normal Uh-oh. until you know, grows sixty million on a nine million dollar budget, which again, Wild. yeah, you know. Next up is one of my favorite comedies of all time, The Three Amigos. I'm going to assume you've seen this? Uh, I think I did a long oh, time ago. No, yeah, it's, it's familiar. Yeah. Oh, no, Gabe. <sighs> Directed by John Landis, written by Lorne Michaels, Steve Martin, and Randy Newman. By the way, Lorne Michaels, the guy who runs SNL. <laughs> um, and stars... Um, Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, and Martin Short, and then yeah. to give to give credit to the Latino actors, uh, Alfonso Aura, Tony Plana, and Patrice Martinez or Patricia Martinez. It is the story of three American silent film stars who are mistaken for real people in a Mexican village that is being 
um, hounded by bandits and they ask for the help and they go thinking that it's a show and not a reality. It's a it's a very funny film. You really get yeah. to see insane chemistry with amazing comedians, dude, between between Steve Martin, Martin Short. I mean, those two alone are, are phenomenal. You throw in Chevy Chase and he's phenomenal. Uh, that movie is 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 uh, is hilarious. It's it's one of the funniest funniest films I've ever seen. Um, yeah, highly highly recommend watching that one. All right. Yeah, um, I want to say I saw that one at a time when the the premise made less of a difference to me because I remember visuals from it, but I don't remember like why. Like I don't remember. I mean, whatever excuse there was for them to be doing what they did, I just remember the hijinks. So you probably remember them singing like um, the bar scene, right, where they're doing the the buttercup song yeah 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 my little buttercup has the sweetest smile <laughs> it's a you gotta see it it'll make sense when you watch it okay the next two movies we'll talk about very quickly um critters have you heard or seen the movie critters i have not seen it i've okay. heard of it okay perfectly fine there's nothing really notable about it right like um scott grimes is in it he's currently in the orville billy zane is in it but it's a really weird like like the way i found the the, the way i found the movie tremors right i watched tremors and i'm like oh my god this is a fantastic film wasn't really expecting it i watched critters and was not expecting it such a fun fun great science fiction horror film basically what it is is we um, we get introduced to this little group of small furry aliens that are carnivores and they're eating humans, and the bound the shape shifting bounty hunters that are hunting them down. So they land on Earth, and then the bounty hunters land on Earth to to hunt them, obviously. And it's a it's you know it's a countryside. It's a it's a small town, so it's very condensed into that town of like thirty people or whatever, you know. So the critters are doing something weird. The people are like, what's going on? Bounty hunters show up to hunt these things down. And they're these little balls of of hair and teeth is basically what they are, that's what the critters are. It, it was such a fun, fun film to watch. It spawned a, a, a whole franchise. I think three sequels and a TV show. You know, like, I think they, they rebooted it a, a couple of years ago. But, you know, it's just, again, like a really fun, like if you've seen Tremors, that's the vibe it gives you. Not a lot of explanation, just getting into the story of like, this is what it is. And, and we, we accept it. It's, 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 it's very much Tremors. It's very much Slither. If you've ever seen Slither, it's, a, it's such a great, great film. In the franchise, though, I think you end up seeing bigger actors as, as it grows. But, but Critters 1 was just such a fun movie, dude. Such a fun film. And I'm telling you, when you see these little guys, like they, they will roll up into a ball to move forward and then they like stand up and it's like, you know, just a big ass mouth with like three rows of teeth. <laughs> they're, they're, it's, and again, it ends up being a little comedic, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such a good film. Such a good film. Hmm. Uh, lastly, we'll talk about Labyrinth. Have you seen Labyrinth? I don't think i have in its entirety and it's another one that i think i've seen parts of but okay. i'm familiar with labyrinth directed by jim hansen with george lucas as an executive producer uh it uses a lot of puppets from the jim hansen company uh it stars jennifer conley and david bowie as jareth the goblin king which we all love if you haven't seen this movie uh first of all david bowie is gorgeous but be mindful that if you look at his groin area, you will be mesmerized because you can see everything. The man <laughs> is wearing leggings, and whew, let me tell you, David Boy, he can get it. Um, but no, it, it's a, it's one of those like fantasy films. Like Jennifer Conley's character, I think she's like mad at her little sister, a newborn. And like wishes her away, and obviously the Goblin King comes and takes her, and it's a story of her going into the labyrinth to uh, rescue her uh, her little sister or little brother um, from the Goblin King, 
and you see Jim Hansen at his best with the puppetry and everything like that. It's it's a it's a really fun fun film. And again, David Bowie is such an amazing actor and character in this that aside from his crotch piece, like he uh, he really does stand out. It's it's he's he uh, it, the movie is just so much fun. It's so much fun to watch. Um, uh, you know, it's funny. Recently, I was watching a documentary about where the Jim Hansen company is now, and they have maintained the puppetry. But they've also been diving heavily into CGI to the point, though, where they want CGI to look as good as it can so that they can do live puppetry with CGI. So they still they've basically evolved the 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 glove, you know, the 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 mechanism that they use to to you to to articulate the, the faces of Just the, CGI puppetry then. Yeah. So they they they've they've basically connected their current methods of being able to manage the face of a puppet into CGI, where they're like we're almost at the point where it looks that way we want to, where we could record a live TV show with the that's with the amazing. guys doing live puppetry CGI, and I'm like, that's incredible. But how forward thinking is that to say? Oh yeah, we're really good at this. We could probably keep doing this forever. But if we wanted to show full bodies, if we wanted to like incorporate the character into the environment, we would have to really think about how could we do that without having to do CGI, without having to do, you know, post-production Post, and, and yeah. all that, doing it live and being able to record it. And think about this, Gabe. Imagine multiple cameras that you don't see because they're computer animated. So you could have two characters talking to each other with the cameras facing each other and you would never actually see them. They, you could do one shot, one take. It's incredible. Yeah. It really is. No, it's uh, it's it's fun because they want to keep the magic of the puppetry that is what people like. It's like claymation. Like people like yes. claymation animation. People want that, but can you make an authentic recreation of that? with cgi like that's that's wild that's very smart and of course you know that's their brand that's what they do yeah no uh i was very it was, cool it was a very cool uh episode to watch i think adam savage also visited them and they they walked them through how they do it and you're like that's incredible Could, it is pick a better amazing guy for it. yeah it's amazing okay so as we mentioned there's a bunch of movies in uh, 1986 so we're going to do some notable mentions that we're not going to go deep into, but they have to be talked about, right? So Gung Ho, directed by Ron Howard and starring Michael Keaton. It's the story of the takeover of American car plants by the Japanese corporations. Very fun, very cool. Lucas, starring Corey Haim and Charlie Sheen and Corley, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Courtney Thorne-Smith and Jeremy Pivens actually in this. It's a it's a really really great coming of age film about a kid who's you know learning about growing up in high school and girls. Really fun fun film, and uh, Police Academy three gave for three consecutive years. We have had a Police Academy, Police Academy three back in training. Police Academy one they were in training. Police Academy yep. two they went and helped a precinct that was going to be closed down. Police Academy three gave they go to rescue a police academy that could potentially be closed. It's police academy-ception. Right? Um, despite negative reviews, uh, overall box office success, earning $107 million against a $12 million budget. They're just a money-printing machine. No wonder you made them every year. You're just like, oh, I don't care. Come up with a story. <laughs> Steve Gutenberg. And you know what, though? What I appreciate... What every franchise should do is you keep the story moving. They were in yeah. training. They were at a precinct. They go back to the academy, not as recruits, but as trainers this time. Yeah. Where will they go next, Gabe? I cannot wait to hear about part four. Police Academy part four. Police Academy Vietnam. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. It would be Police Academy 1964 Watts Riots. Oh, uh, man. No, no, no. Riot Control. <laughs> Police Academy 4. Riot oh, no. Control. Oh, no. Civil Rights Movement. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> or they do a prequel, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They... Oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. Uh, no. 
All right, moving on to first appearances, Gabe. Woody Harrelson in the movie Wildcats. We obviously know what he goes on to do. Jennifer Lopez, My Little Girl. We obviously go on to know what she does. John Lovitz, Hamburger, the motion picture. I mean, I think he was part of the SNL cast at a certain point, right? He had to be. Yeah, I mean, just a phenomenal actor, comedian. Bit of a dick from what I've heard, but no real exp- you know. hands-on experience with that. But, you know, I, I still, to this day, one of my favorite uh, cartoon TV shows was called The Critic. He was amazing in that. Speaking of John C. McGinley, he made his first appearance in a little movie called Sweet Liberty and then gets Platoon and then eventually Scrubs for nine years. I mean, that man, good for him. Bill Pullman, Ruthless People. Uh, again, just a, a, such a great, great actor. I love me some Bill Pullman. Uh, Bill Pullman ends up being uh, in what Independence Day as the president, right? He does Spaceballs. I mean, just a, a fantastic actor. All right, Gabe. Uh, moving on to something old, something new. So let's talk about the previous episode. Um, you might have noticed a little bit of slurring on my end, but guess what? Sorry, not sorry. I had a fucking great time with my friend. Too real? Too real? Not real enough. Mm, I miss my friend already. He's he's back home in Vegas. Blah. Gabe, how boring is Vegas now? Blah. I mean, it is a, it is a, a very different landscape. I have not had to shovel any snow. <laughs> Not even a little bit. <laughs> That's right. I did gave I did give Gabe the Finnish experience by having him shovel snow to clear a car. I did. Thank you're welcome, Gabe. You're welcome. <laughs> Not the first time in my life. Probably won't be the last. I want to say, um, but like you know, we're gonna try to minimize. By the way, today was a fantastic day, dude. We had we were at uh, eight nine degrees, mm. which is just a couple of degrees short of what we had in Amsterdam. So it was a fantastic day. I uh, happened to wear my new Vans and rock them. Yeah, looking uh, pretty fly for a Latino guy. <laughs> out and about. Out and about. Uh, but yeah, so you, uh, you, yeah, yeah, you went home. So uh, how? Uh, what's new? What What did you watch? What have you been watching? So I've actually consumed uh, a fair amount of uh, media because, of course, you have a lot of time on the flight, and then. Um, playing catch up here and and just having background you know uh it was interesting so on the flight i watched the suicide squad so the second one oh the second yeah that's that's a much better one than the first one which i haven't seen the first one but i was like whatever like i'm in the mood for kind of like you know you want to start off the flight with something that's not too serious you know a little bit you know you know what you're gonna get it was fun uh, Idris Elba was 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 great. Okay. Like, it was fun to see him. Right? John Cena as a peacekeeper. Was, oh yeah, I mean was... it's you know it's obvious why they they went on to do. Yeah, now you need to watch the show. It's so yeah. good. Okay, go on, go on. Sorry. <laughs> uh, do anything for peace. Um, <laughs> the second thing I watched, I was like, you know what? We're gonna commit. We're gonna watch the Batman. Ooh, three hours and change. I want to yes, say yes, very much so. Yes. Yeah. What'd you think? Yeah. I, I mean, I thought it was a a very good representation. I I just don't know, like, it was so long. <laughs> and, like, it's hard. I didn't, I sat there and I thought, like, well, well, what do you cut? Like, do you just make it multiple, like, movies? Like, what do you do? Because it felt like it was just too long, honestly. Like, I thought, um, uh, what's his name that plays uh, uh, Batman? Who's... Oh, Rob uh, Pattinson? Pattinson, yeah, I thought he did great. He was great. Um, I mean, it was it was well acted across. Oh, whoever, I, who was uh, Catwoman in that? Oh, uh, Kravitz, Zoe Kravitz. She, she did great too. She was great, yeah. I mean, I thought it was you know, and I like the stylized like costume for her. I thought it was like you know a good nod to the costume, but also their own take. It was good, and it was just really long. And I was like, I don't know, you know, like at a certain point, like it's obvious you don't want to watch another. You know, just because you got a new guy, you don't want to watch another origin, right? Like, we don't need to see his parents die again. <laughs> it's like Spider-Man at a certain point. We've seen your relatives die enough. <laughs> like, God, stop killing them. <laughs> um, it was kind of cool to see a bit more of that uh, play with, like, the, you know, the legacy of Thomas Wayne, right? Like, oh, was he a bad guy? Like, you know, because, of course, 
you know, Bruce has this idealized version of his parents. So I thought the story was great. The acting was great. Um, would have never known it was Colin Farrell. Oh, uh, as the he was, he was really you'd good, never right? know. He, yeah. He voice, really, uh, yeah. The makeup, like you'd never know a, f- a pretty fun interpretation of Riddler. Like, I mean, you know, I think that was not, my, own, that's my only critique. I was like, yeah. I mean, I think it was, it was the, it's your modern. Isn't that the first modern variant we've seen? Like modern. Well, well no, like I remember trying Jim, to make it real. Jim Carrey played him. Yeah. yeah no, no, no. <laughs> I, I count that as not, that's in the previous era. That's cartoony. <laughs> You're being cartoony, <laughs> which is fantastic. But like when they're trying to like excuse things and make them realistic, right? Like like friggin' Spider-Man driving around on a friggin' crotch rocket. I thought it was kind of funny that like I'm picturing my man changing from his suit, like because he's wearing regular shit, and then like how does he change so quickly into mm-hmm. the bad gear? You know? Yes, yes. Which is kind of funny because like Catwoman just really like is like it's literally just her headgear that changes. So yep. like okay. But like Batman, I'm like, how did this guy change so quickly? <laughs> um, but like you're trying to make things like gritty and real. And so like not terrible. Um, it wasn't as funny, but you know, that's the I think that's the price they're paying. I, I think that could be done. They can refine that. You can do better in the future. Okay. But uh, for a first stab at, at a uh, believable Riddler. Okay. That yeah, was good. It was just real long. And I was like, that's a lot. That's a big commitment. Like, it is. Where do you it, go? T- it took me three days to watch it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, if I wasn't if I wasn't on a plane thing, I don't think I would have watched it in one go. I'm gonna I, honestly, like, it was just like it was you know, like have your flight. Was, yeah, that was a lot. Um, and then I uh, I watched uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Oh, was that your first time? So it's my first time sitting and watching it like start to finish. Okay. Um, so like I knew the major beats of it, but like it's 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 a good that's a fun movie. It's a fun fun film. Fun uh, news recently, they're gonna do uh, an anime of it with all the original cast. With all the original, the yeah, yeah. I saw that recently. Yeah, that's yeah, gonna yeah. Be, that's gonna Everyone's be fantastic. That's gonna be fantastic. Yeah. Okay, yeah. You watched three really good films. I, I, I mean, I three, did three films that are good to watch. Like I, like I said, like I'm not a fan of the most of DC films, but I think the Suicide Squad was was good. The you know they had they had a good story and it told. It went very comic booky, which was great with the ginormous yeah. starfish, you know, at the end. Yeah, when you do that right, yeah, like that's good. Like everyone's again, like you know, the Batman's the ob- obvious counter side of that, where it's like, no, no, we're trying to make everything mm-hmm. fit the real world narrative. Sometimes you just want to see fucking people like throw polka dots at a giant starfish. Yeah, you know? sometimes you definitely want to watch them. <laughs> that's fantastic. No, no. Uh, with the time we have left, I'll just say that I. Um, I uh, watched The Mandalorian by myself, Gabe. Just want to put it out there. Watched the uh, two. I watched it in my usual manner. Yeah. Yeah. It was great, Gabe. That's <laughs> good. Yeah. Wasn't it good? It was. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it was. It would have been better to have watched it with someone else, but apparently uh, priorities. I get it. Look, not mad. Just, you know, it was great. Did you watch the uh, Osaka? Oh, Osaka. Osaka, right? How do you say her? Uh, Ahsoka trailer? Ahsoka trailer, yeah. Ahsoka? I have not watched it yet, no. I watched... What did I see come out? Uh, Something that I hadn't seen yet, which has been out longer. I watched the the new Indiana Jones trailer because I watched all the Indiana Jones movies. Ah, okay. And I was like, okay, let's see what's coming. I I think my heart is finally ready to try to understand what they're going to do to that man next and hope that it's a good finish. But yeah, the Ahsoka uh, trailer looks very cool. It looks... You know what it looks like? It looks like... The Mandalorian with a Jedi, because she is uh, swinging those swords around, those lightsabers around like nobody's business. I saw a article that said that she trained 14 hours a week to be able to recreate some of the visual stunts, like the the uh, acrobatics that were done in the in the uh, cartoon in the an- animated. Oh, really? Because like they wanted to capture, they wanted to make the character feel. So what is it? Right. Two to three hours a day? That's not a lot. Well, I mean, like, if you're filming all day, so, like, you probably have, like, you know. Yeah, again, yeah, I know. I'm just being a on, jerk. I'm being a jerk. I'm just doing that part, of course. But, I like, think... I mean, like, you know, everybody seems like, you know, you get the right people uh, creating the project. There's been a bunch of Star Wars news. Oh, um, yeah. Ray is coming back, right? Coming yeah. back for a movie, which, like, fingers crossed they give her a decent direction and, yep. and let that character shine. Because yep. I think she could. Yeah. Um, they did um, uh, more of an official announcement for the Acolyte. They did, yeah. 
Yeah, so there's a bunch of there's been a bunch of Star Wars news coming across my feed. Yeah. Uh the only other plug I'll say is Agent Elvis. Agent Elvis on Netflix is fucking hilarious and it's great. If you're a fan of like Archer um of that style, it's so fucking good. Agent Elvis uh, Imagine Elvis being voiced by Matthew McConaughey. It's just oh, no. so <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Highly recommend Agent Elvis, as well as The Mandalorian with your friends or by yourself, apparently. Uh, Other than that, Gabe, I fucking miss you already, my friend. Um, And I'm glad that we can still do this. And again, for anyone who listened to last episode, I feel for you, buddy, because I was feeling good in the hood. (laughs) That's how it goes live. Yep. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will catch you next week. Remember, find us at Pop Culture Hangfire on your Instagrams. And uh, yeah, no, uh, this will this this show will keep going until Gabe and I. One of us has a heart attack at either sixty nine or eighty six. Ooh, have a good week. numbers. <laughs>